Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. We're very grateful you all could join us. And we will begin with our morning prayer. In reading excess from Divinity Course in General Collectania by in the Blue Book, and then um, Hymn 83, two stanzas from that, now Hymna. Hold to the omnipotence of God, truth. God made all his creatures free, life itself is liberty. God ordained no other band than united heart and hand. So shall all our slavery see, all God's children dwell in peace, and the newborn earth record love and love alone is Lord. Man is free, and freedom is the God-given birthright. The liberty of the sons of God is for each one to desire God, and for each one to desire for his mortal neighbor just what he desires for himself. That's why Mary Baker Eddy. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Okay, watching point. Watch number 271. Watch lest you seek to marry God for his money. When a girl is going to marry a rich man, if she is being prompted more by the desire for his money than by a love for him, the world considers that her motivation considers that her motivation is blameworthy. If you could imagine being given your choice between having God or health, which would you choose? Many a student fancies that he is seeking God when he is really seeking relief from error. Mrs. Eddy once wrote, God good is jealous in our sense of the word. It admits of nothing unlike simple honesty, goodness, truth, and love to be put into God's foundation or superstructure. This I have seen proven beyond cavil over a half century, end quote. If God is jealous, then he permits nothing to come ahead of him in man's procession, not even the blessings he bestows upon his children. When we seek to establish our unity with God, we should ask ourselves which we desire most, God or the rewards God bestows for faithfulness. We will find that it is necessary often to rededicate our love for him as being first and to know that no error can tempt us to put anything ahead of him in our affection. Thank you. And comments on that? Well, that, um, last, that last sentence ahead, of, um, in the Bible studies recently with Revelation, the church that lost its first love. So I put a good good light on that. Thank you very much. Yes, lest we forget. 
Maybe that'll be the theme of today. Go ahead, Karen. Well, I was going to say, too, that um, and, and the readings that um, Florence just read brought out the word peace. And I just read here, I had written down from the lesson, great peace of they which love thy law. The peace doesn't come in loving the blessings, the things that we get. We're grateful for them. But the peace comes from loving the source. And focusing on the source and knowing we're the source of all of our blessings, not in loving the blessings themselves, not in focusing or being, you know, that's not where the peace is found. Thank you very much. A very important point. Absolutely. And people get on the wrong um, byway to be chasing after the things to think that will give them peace and or happiness. And it does not. You can live with very little. You can even live under stressful s- circumstances. But when you have God, you have everything. And if you don't have God, you have nothing. And and that's why we are tested at times because you can look around, see, and, and you can see with Christian scientists, the ones that whine and complain when things aren't going their way. Because they're, they think, maybe they think they're this privileged lot that, should have everything and get everything and if they don't it's rare 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 and that's what this that's what this watching point addresses you don't love god for god's sake you you love god because of the things you think it's going to provide for you and if it when it doesn't hence complaint and it's not as they say in the chosen it's not a good look I like what you were saying about about living under you know stressful situations. I've been really doing a deep dive in the Greckel book and looking at how Mrs. Eddy um, lived under the constant pressure. Um, I just got done doing some work on the um, Josephine Woodbury story, and you know she was attacking her and her church for almost five years, and yet she accomplished so much because she was never ever focus on herself. And that's just kind of what hit me was that, you know, when you're approaching God in this way, it's extremely selfish. I mean, yes, you may have a problem that you want to have resolved, but the you have to move beyond that because it's such a selfish uh, pursuit when there's so many other people, you know, that need to discover this. Thank you. And, and you will find in, in doing this work for others, just as Job, Job was blessed when he prayed for his friends in doing that and sincerely doing it, not because you think, okay, well, I'll pray for my friends and then I'll get my answer. (laughs) No, because it's a sincere love for God and mankind. Your problems will go disappear into their native nothingness because that's all they are and ever have been nothing. They are just, you've, you've built them up in your own thought. Go ahead, Zeri. Yes, uh, I am putting together what I thought was one testimony. It's like probably going to be five, but I'll get them all sent out. Uh, what I've also noticed is that when I've been reading David Keeson, you know, his Christian science, um, healing, uh, talking about Mary Baker Eddy's uh, healings that are often forgotten, she was so, this unconditional love, she was so 
about the stories of what human beings would do to her. And so when I think about some of the things I'm going through right now, I keep getting a lot of uh, strength and uh, support for realizing how she didn't sink into the, the human, you know, revenge story or anything like that. She still loved. It's amazing. Just really amazing. Thank you. And, and that is why the wisdom of reading at least one biography a year, uh, the good biographies, which we feature because it does, it does well, strengthen you and encourage you and get rid of maybe your complaints and selfishness. Go ahead. I was just going to say that if you look at, um, like I read uh, Jillian uh, Gill before I came to Plainfield, and I really got a very idea about what Mary Baker Eddy was, so this has all been redeemed when I look at what Keystone has humbly put together, and uh, what Doris Greco, I, I looked at that a little bit ago, and also um, Alice Organ, I, I believe, one of her early students. So please keep sharing this work, you know, on our 24-7 reading room. Yes, we will. Thank you. Absolutely. The most, most, most important. The life of Mrs. Eddy. And all of this, lest we forget, because, uh, you know, today they seem to be rewriting things, including her, maybe mainly her, because once, once they do that, then they can get at everything else, but including uh, the beginning of our country, the truth about it. Just like anything else, when you know the truth, you cannot be fooled by the counterfeit. If you do not know the truth, anything that comes along the pike, you'll believe. Um, very important. And it's also important to realize that the human mind will attempt to rewrite history. To get rid of the spiritual truth. And done all along. And it continues, but it can't be done. It cannot be done. <clears throat> Keep bringing it up, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, Shardell and I were just talking about this, about how with you know with Christ Jesus and Mrs. Eddy, their what they gave us was so perfect, and for each individual, it was all that you needed. You didn't need anyone else, so it has to be quote has to be rewritten in order to make a place for the intercessor or someone to have power over you. Exactly. 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 It's it's a lot of it is maliciously planned. Much of it is also just ignorant people just following along. So the truth is important. And this lesson, our subject God today on freedom and liberty is most important. You can't divorce God from freedom and liberty. They're, they have to go together. This is why some of the discussions we have, I don't consider political. They're not. They're biblical. They're God-based. And you must know these facts in order to preserve our liberty. Um, some of us this past week, we did go to Plymouth. Massachusetts. And we saw, yes, Patuxet, which is the original Indian village. We saw the pilgrim little colony there we saw the mayflower and most importantly perhaps we saw that statue we talked about the monument to the founding fathers yes 
And I would encourage anyone who can to see it and to watch that movie, Monumental, to teach this to your children. It's the blueprint of how to have a free society. And it is based on biblical principles. And it can be be preserved in no other way. Just as uh, Florence read in her prayer, it was so beautiful that you treat others as you would be treated, that you have that care and concern for everyone, everywhere. And this isn't a selfish endeavor. This is for the world. See your own and another's good. See your own and another's good. See, this is a priest upon which the science works. It's one of the basic laws that enables the science to work for you, is that your motive has to be unselfed, period. A selfish motive does not fit <laughs> in this science. No, it doesn't. If we have to be free, then our neighbor has to be free too. I feel, you know, the instruction to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's so important for all of us. And Christ Jesus, Mary Baker Eddy, they both lived God. It's so clear that they both lived God. That's how they found who they are, and therefore they couldn't be fooled by the mortal sense testimony, as has been said before. But I see, I'm just feeling that this is why we are giving that instruction to seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Yes, I would say that is one of the most important instructions out of out of all of Christ's teachings. It's so important that that be, and that goes back to the watching point. You're seeking God for God's sakes. You're not think, seeking your health or your money or your supply. And yes, you do come into science with problems that you want healed, and it's right they should be healed. But it's always in seeking God that those things will. And you'll also have freedom and liberty as well, because all that comes with seeking God. And and his righteousness. Most important, yes. And why? Because once you find out about God, you'll find out all about how your problems don't really exist anyway. (laughs) You'll find out all the answers you've been looking and seeking for. It's a powerful statement of Christ Jesus. And I'm so grateful because... Mrs. Evans really taught that often, and it's most important. We always remember that. Seek him first. All right. I remember, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go I was going to add that I remember there was an article that Ralph Wagers had did uh, written some time ago, and he talked about how animal magnetism will substitute the lesser for the greater. And he said it'll substitute healing, you know, for this idea of demonstration and, you know, being in the oneness with God. And I thought about that with our church, too, because it's like I know so many Christian scientists that if they don't get a demonstration, they leave science. And it's like, well, what about, you know, every other Christian religion, they're not expecting to get healed necessarily, or a lot of them aren't really. But they still, you know, they're still trying to figure out God. And it's like, in our, and even in Sunday school when I was a kid, it seemed like it was all about healing. And I don't remember really being taught as much about just loving God. So I just this, it really brought that out in this lesson to me. 
Thank you very much. And in that watching point, too, that's the point. I mean, are you here just for the loaves and fishes? Jesus had it in his time, too. Or are you here to seek the truth? Want to know what truth really is? It makes all the difference. It's sad when so many people have this image, including Christian scientists, they treat God like Santa Claus rather than like God. You know, you send them your list, your to-do list or your, your want list. And that's a very perverted understanding. All right. Our beautiful subject on God. And Jeremy, you read the golden text. Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Thank you. Now, that's a very well-known statement, right? <laughs> you hear it often. That's in the um, beautiful watch that we always have included with our unity watches. It starts with that. Um, Carrie sent me some interesting articles on this. One I found very interesting about Mrs. Eddy's comments on some of this. Um, it's from a 1905 issue of the journal. The request from Mrs. Eddy, which follows, was published in the Christian Science Sentinel of July 1st. Hmm, here we are. It referred to her solicitation of the prayers of the members of her church, quote, for the amicable settlement of the war between Russia and Japan, end quote and for the peace and prosperity of these nations. Now, we all know we're having wars are going on, and our prayers are much needed. So this is what Mrs. Eddy says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I now request that the members of my church cease special prayer for the peace of nations and cease in full faith that God does hear our prayers oh, in full faith that God does not hear our prayers only because of off speaking, but that he will bless all the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand nor say unto him, what doest thou? Out of his allness, he must bless all with his own truth and love. Now, that's very interesting. I think she saw that they were, you know, just by rotely saying prayers or, or you know, um, rather than knowing his allness and resting in that and knowing, knowing and knowing that allness, the work would be done. And then later, again, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. In no way nor manner did I request my church to cease praying for the peace of nations but simply to pause in special prayer thereof. And wherefore this asking? Because a spiritual foresight of the nation's drama presented itself and awakened a wiser heart and a wiser want, even to know how to pray other than the daily prayer of my church, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I, saw, I cited as our present need faith in God's disposal of events. Faith, full-fledged, soaring to the Oreb heights, bringing, bringing blessings infinite. And 
The spirit of this orison is the fruit of rightness on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. On this basis, the brotherhood of peoples is established, namely, one God, one mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself, wherein and whereby the infinite God good, the father-mother love is ours, and we are his divine, we are his in divine science. Mary Baker Eddy, Pleasant View, 1905. So those are interesting to think about the way in which she wanted us to pray about the world and world peace. And I think mainly to to me, that means to get on the absolute of it. Well, you don't accidentally take sides either. Thank you. No, because that would Very imply true. more than one God. Yeah. Right? No, I mean the the implicate. I mean, if you think about this simple statement, the science behind it, the truth behind it. If God, if there's only one God, that God is infinite. There's no room for anything other than that God. And shouldn't we spend our lives trying to learn more and more about what that one God is? I mean, could anything be more important to us than to know who and what it is that created us and the entire universe, created all of us in his image and likeness? And really. that, that goes along with last week's lesson where, you know, uh, absolute consecration and devotion. It's a work of eternity. Thought, energy, and desire. Yes, thought, energy, and desire. I just and wanted to say I really love that thought of um, uh, the trusting God's disposal of events because I thought in the past, um, you know, like you get feelings like regretting things and not like for me personally not coming here earlier or something like that. But I, it's clear I came right when the need was here. So I'm glad that God's disposal of events <laughs> worked in the way it did. So you have to trust that for all people. Thank you. And that is something, again, Mrs. Evans would give us often, especially when things didn't seem to be going our way, when you weren't getting what you requested from Santa Claus, <laughs> she would say, trust God's disposal of events. And she told of the story of how with her granddaughter, um, her granddaughter, who had lived with them for quite some time, and, and Mrs. Evans loved her dearly, she decided to move to California where her, where this child's mother was living. I think she was 17 at the time, and Mrs. Evans was heartbroken. But that thought trusts God's disposal of events. And eventually, it turned out to, for greater good that Mrs. Evans could not have even foretold at that point. So you never know why things aren't working out according to your time schedule. Trust God's disposal of events. Thank you. And what was that um, comment that Philip made to Matthew when Matthew was feeling bad about? Oh, yeah, you didn't, mm -hmm. didn't miss anything. God just rearranged. rearranging the time. Just rearranged the time schedule for it. Yeah, because <laughs> Matthew was bemoaning his past and, and missed opportunities. But, yeah, that was very wise statement. He just... 
you hadn't missed anything. God just rearranged the time schedule. So you had something <laughs> before and you'll have something later, but it will all come out in the wash. I'm sure Moses at, at 80, being a sheep herder, <laughs> yes, could have yeah. felt like, oh man, my life has me. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Many examples of it. Well, and this is, go ahead. No, I think that's why he says we trust our desires to God, but the how or when, that's the detail that's up to him. That's a good calendar statement. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really. And and when you think about it, I mean, we're we're not limited by time anyway, are we? No. <laughs> if life is eternal, I mean, we've got a long, long time to work things out if we need it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I I was so happy because. You know, last week I was feeling a little bummed out because I missed finishing the Psalm 119, but here it was again <laughs> in this week's <laughs> lesson. So, and there were just a couple of things in that Psalm uh, he he was bringing out, as we discussed last week, the stumbling blocks that would keep you from growing and, and staying the course. You see, it's easy to start out great, yippee, kahoo, <laughs> but then you fall on your face. It's Day in, day out, month after month, year after year. That's what we're talking about. That's what Mrs. Eddie did, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. And as her disciples, we should as well. Um, so we went th through a lot of them, but a couple. One was um, about establishing the word of thy servant. And that word establish established i've always loved it it means to set and fix firmly or unalterably to set or to settle permanently to settle or fix what is wavering doubtful or weak we're praying to god to teach us we're asking god for help with these matters we're asking god to establish us so that we're not weak doubtful wavering and woofing around this way and that way Okay. It's a beautiful prayer. Do you want to say something? Uh, no, no. Doing well. Okay. And then, you know, there were other things that would stumble you. Covetousness. We've talked about that a lot. Love of vanity. All the things in the world, all the beautiful tinsel. Um, and really, that, you know, that's the 10th the commandment, isn't it? Yeah. Thou shalt not covet. Because that covers the whole ground. Because when you, when you covet, it means that you don't trust God with everything in your life. You don't trust God to provide you with what you need. You think there's something else besides what God is and what God provides for you. And that that is the source of every problem that the world has ever seen. And in the same citation, incline my heart unto thy testimonies. What does that mean? God's testimonies. I mean, what is a testimony? <laughs> it's what God has done for you. So don't let me ever forget 
God, what you have done for me, please. And in that way, I won't ever have to covet anything. Yeah, you'll be content and happy with what you have. And there's nothing greater than that. Nothing greater than to be content and happy with what you have. And not always thinking someone else has something else or better. It's just a temptation of error. Matthew Henry says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. The vain things of this world, such as riches, honors, pleasures, from beholding them with desire or affections, and then quicken thou me in the way. Make me lively, vigorous, and fervent in thy service. Are you that way? Are you boom, 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 boom? <laughs> Establish thy word. Confirm and perform thy promises unto thy servant, who is subject to thy authority and obedient to thy laws. So. Powerful prayer to to work with that Psalm 119. And I thank Thomas for bringing it to our attention in, in Bible studies. Um, and another uh, in another commentary or article from Carrie about that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It brings out that... Um, Mankind's greatest need is to learn to think truly. Even the finest and best of human reasoning is not infallible. And the only certain course is to turn quietly, confidently, and directly to the one who never makes mistakes, to God, to the divine mind, who is man's only real intelligence. Now, wow, isn't that the answer to it all? Mm -hmm. I mean, look at mankind. We blunder around with all these mistakes relying on our human intelligence. So-called. So-called. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, or as Mrs. Eddy expresses the same truth in Science and Health, page 468, all is infinite mind and its infinite manifestation, for God is all in all. So... She gave us, I mean, it's thrilling. I, it gives me goosebumps all this. It's just thrilling what we have with this science and how it's continually unfolding to us in so many beautiful ways. One last, I, I also, it just, that statement seems to always get me out of, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm an isolated being. Like everybody, one Lord is that, not, we, we're all looking to the same everywhere. There's no bitterness or you know, confrontation among us. Just one God. Just focus on God and then be a blessing. And then uh, it just keeps reminding me before we even start our watches. We're here to be a blessing and not to concern ourselves with any obstacle between us. Thank you. Absolutely. Because this this does away with all those obstacles. Um, there are no obstacles except the ones that the human mind <laughs> okay. no puts between me and me. Yeah, well, that's yes. just it. God doesn't know obstacles. And God's he, uh, not aware of obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> they don't fit in the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, this beautiful article called The Promised Land by a Clara McMahon, it, it refers, now we're going into Moses, and I am that I am. And um, she writes, here in the, this wilderness, Moses taught the law, the difference between good and evil, the necessity of serving one God, and the certain overthrow resulting from serving evil, so-called evil. During the 40 years of his teaching, there was one thing upon which he insisted always as of supreme importance. When you enter into the land, said he, you must utterly overthrow the inhabitants, and you must not follow after any of their ways nor learn of them, but you must serve the one God and keep his laws. You must not educate your sons nor daughters in any of their ways, even though the nations be much greater than you, but you must always teach the supremacy of spirit. If you do this, God himself will drive out the inhabitants from before your face. But if you do it not, then you will be utterly overthrown by them. This is the oft-repeated warning of the Christ truth voiced in the law and the statutes which Moses gave to his people. So what does that mean? To me, it means that it's clearing your consciousness of all these material beliefs. <clears throat> and the uh, world certainly gives you a lot of them through uh, the, uh, the med medical and psychology and uh, new age, all that. It's trying to draw you away from the purity of what's taught right here. In the Bible, and then Mrs. Eddy gave us the science of it. That's enough. And to give that to our children only. And it, it doesn't mean necessarily that you go in and you blow the heads off of everybody, which is how it's literally interpreted. It means that you, in, in, in you, you refuse to accept, believe, or follow, or teach that to your children those things. Look at the example of Daniel. He lived in Babylon, right? But he did not become one of them. That's what this means. Zeddy talks about. I tried for thinking and just every day. Every day. Clean it out. Go ahead. Well, I tried to. Well, I was thinking. I just was thinking of a way that I tried to uh, teach my children in Sunday school class um, to be in it, but not of it. Yeah, and I, I think they were, I can't remember how old they were, you know, like eleven or twelve, and I, and they were like in sixth grade or something like that. And I said, okay, well, let's, let me think of, imagine being taken one day and put in a seventh. You're in sixth grade. You're put in a seventh grade class for a day. Um, you wouldn't become the seventh grader. You wouldn't become anything that because that you're not ready for that, that's you're visiting or you're not, but it's not, doesn't make you now a seventh grader. You're still a sixth grader, visit, but you don't become anything that's of that room. That's not, that's not where you belong. You belong in this. And they sort of got the idea that we can be in it, but not of it. And um, to not look at the world as having anything in it that's really, um, <clears throat> has anything to do with you? It's not outside of you. It's with what's in within, and uh, that, that sort of helped them to see that you can be in it but not of it. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, going to 
parties. I enjoyed going to parties in high school, but I didn't drink or smoke or certainly didn't do drugs or some of the other things that were going on. And I would have a good time and people didn't bother me. They respected who I was. I made sure they did. And and it, so it continues. Sometimes now I don't even go to those things, but in those days it was important to me. And when you went to college, uh, a lot of the uh, people in your oh, dorm yeah. Yeah. did things that you refused to do. And you didn't feel like you were a friend to any of them. And the next year, they all wanted to be your roommate. <laughs> I know. That was the strangest thing. I could. I thought everyone hated me because <laughs> I wouldn't do. You know, I wouldn't go down to the smoker. I wouldn't do this. I thought they. You know, it was this goody two shoes, I guess. And I didn't really. I'm not bragging about this because I did not have a good understanding of science. But I was doing the best I could. And then the next year, yeah, everyone wanted to be my roommate. I said, Are you kidding me? <laughs> So you never know. You never know what effect you might be having on people. And there, there was a dear woman, our, our house mother at that dorm. It was a little, it was a house. It was a little house. And there weren't many of us. There were only like 30 in that little dorm. The house mother got the Christian science monitor. And I would always go in her room and we'd talk about it. I, I felt I had such a friend in her. But anyway, yeah, you can, you can be in it and you can still love everybody, but keep, Keep your own, your own standards. Yeah, your own standards, your own morals, all of that, and and have a good time. And if people don't like you, well, that's okay. As long as God likes you, that's what's important. That's all that's important. And then you'd be surprised. Maybe people actually do. You just didn't know it. <laughs> didn't didn't know it. Well, because people who are in the world and of the world and believing all this going along with all the, what the world offers, eventually get consumed by it and dissatisfied with it. And then, unfortunately, many of them turn to alcohol and drugs and other things to try to medicate themselves because of their unhappiness. When the only answer, the solution to the whole thing, is to just rise above it and, and change and be what God made and strive to know who and what God is better. But well, we, we definitely shouldn't be naive to what's going on. <clears throat> I was thinking of the pilgrims. They kept, they kept getting uh, kind of waylaid because they were, uh, ignorant to <laughs> the way the world worked and that did not work in their favor. Yeah. Mrs. Eddie says that we have to be wise to all that too. So. Yeah. Wise as serpent. And harmless as doves. And that's it. And, and yes. Um, so this article goes on, which I thought was interesting. The record tells us of their triumphant entry into the promised land, their obedience to this teaching, their victories, their final occupancy of the land apparently in full possession yet the records show here and there first a violation of the law followed by a swift punishment then further violation in small ways without immediate punishment and as the years go by little by little the acceptance of some of the good of the enemy um, was happening then we find the enemy regarded as more powerful, accompanied by an increasing reliance upon material methods, the payment of tribute, 
and the acceptance of and from enemies. In short, with attempts to come overcome evil with evil, this growing weakness and fear, born of forgetfulness of the ever-present God, brought them more and more frequently into open conflict with evil, which appeared as an ever-increasing host and with bolder leaders. Nevertheless, in the hour of supreme need, born of their own daily sinning, there was always a sufficient remnant. A remnant of underlying knowledge of divine spirit to enable them to call upon the invisible yet ever-present God to deliver them. And he always did so. Never underestimate the power of the remnant. <laughs> it must go on. And these precepts must be taught and lived. It goes back to lest we forget. And I love in the responsive reading, you know, that's exactly what it's talking about. Um shall love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest down in thy house. And when thou walkest in the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. And not forget this. And this is what is important that we do. To teach these things so they don't get lost. To teach even a simple basic thing like what God is. That God is love. He doesn't hate gays for goodness sakes. God doesn't hate anybody. I mean, where does all this get off track like this? And he made all people free. We keep going back, going back, going back, teaching the truth and going back to the, yeah, those beautiful beginnings with the pilgrims. I was very grateful. Anne in England sent me all the memorials that were in England about the pilgrims, you know, statues and things, which was interesting. Where they were called the separatists. The separatists, <laughs> yes. And in that, um, the beginning of miscellany, Mrs. Eddy quotes Kipling, Lord of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. And one thing I, I know you've all noticed in the in the chosen those of you who watch it how often they're praying all the time they pray and Chardell found the morning prayer I give thanks unto you Adonai that in mercy you have restored my soul within me endless is your compassion great is your faithfulness I thank you Adonai for the rest you have given me through the night and for the breath that renews my body and spirit May I renew my soul with faith in you, source of all healing. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, ruler of the universe, who renews daily the work of creation. Notice when they get up in the morning, they're praying before they eat. Even before they eat an apple, they're praying. They, pray. they thank the God of the universe. Now, we don't want to be superstitious or by rote, but this is a way of just always remembering God with us. Thank you, God. For all the good. Shardy, you want to talk about it? Oh, just that uh, I, I noticed the prayers. There's an evening prayer, too, uh, that, yes, that they have. That Linda I read Mrs. I read theirs, and then I read Mrs. Eddie's, and I think about it. And uh, it's the very, the very people that's meant to help you. 
and to take you through the night gracefully that you don't have bad dreams, that God is with you and he will protect you. As Mrs. Eddy said, give it all to God. Put yourself totally under his care. And he, he who has all power in that prayer, she says in her prayer, will protect you and give you help and keep you safe. Thank you. That's so beautiful. I love her evening prayer. Yes, we have even more inspired prayers, but I think it's interesting the basis of this, that we continue and be thinking of God throughout our day, then we certainly won't forget. And and to be grateful, our 4th of July is coming up, and to get the right sense of what this country is, to hold the right ideal, um, and always strive to do better, and we, we are, and we certainly need to, but the ideal was there. And that was what was so beautiful with the um, that beautiful statue we saw. 81 feet tall and I don't know how many tons it's it's the biggest statue of that kind granite solid granite in the world and then what it stands for the blueprint of what it takes to have a free society and what it takes is the worship of God and the following of his precepts the commandments and the sermon on the mount and the, the images of it, of the statues, are, are all of that, of uh, law, liberty, morality, education. Yes. And anyway, it's worth, and I hope you have all have looked at it. It's on the website. Yes. And if you have the opportunity to go. It's bigger than you expected. <laughs> <laughs> I know we all look like little dwarfs. <laughs> or very small people. <laughs> anyway, so this beautiful article from one of my favorite authors, Samuel Greenwood, called Lest We Forget. The belief that life and intelligence are material, moving in, in a limited personal orbit, and that therefore men can live and act independent, independently of God is a supreme folly of mortals. Controlled by this belief, the devotion of thought to God is mainly looked upon as a matter of choice or desire rather than the necessity of living. Boy, does he sock it to you. This isn't a question, folks. This isn't up for debate, okay? This is a necessity of living because people do. Oh, it's a matter of choice. Well, you can believe him. You don't have to believe in him. You don't... Well, you need to. That's why you're suffering. Life goes on the same, they say, say they, whether they think much or little, rightly or wrongly, of God. For does not the sun of being shine on the evil as well as on the good? But the suffering and the mortality which accompany the belief of life and matter are its own condemnation and confirm the scriptural teaching upon which Christian science is based, namely, that life is God, and that apart from him and his manifestation, there is nothing. No life, no truth, no intelligence, no reality. Yay, Samuel Greenwood. <laughs> wow. So, um... <clears throat> says a sweet story and most of you know this story of a child told of a child who had healed a sufferer through what she
she had learned of Christian science in answer to the question as to how she had done it, she replied that the patient had forgotten that God is love, and she had only needed to be reminded of this. And you see, this is what it says. It may be said of Jesus that his mission was to remind mankind of God. Now, that truer words have not been spoken. And that's why we're here. Remind people who and what God is, because his name is getting tarnished greatly. So, an era would like for you, we talked about testimony earlier, it would like for you to be so involved in your own personal problems that you think you have no testimony. You did not have that healing that you've been working for on for 10 years. Therefore, you have nothing to say or nothing good to offer. And you know what that is, don't you? Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. That, that's a nice word for it. Oh, <laughs> yes, bushwa. Yeah, it is. It is not to be listened to because that will just keep dragging you in that direction and shutting up your mouth and your testimony for God. And that's just what it wants. If you say the hell you say, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to do this if I'm crawling up the stairs of my house or of the church or wherever, then then so be it. I will crawl and I will be victorious because I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to bow down to a false God. So remember and don't ever forget what God has done for you. And don't ever forget because what happens is the scale. Remember the scale? Mrs. Eddie talks about the scale. Well, the problems get to see more and more big in your mind and, oh, Christian science didn't work and I don't like this person and this and this and this and it's bigger, bigger, bigger. And I'm not really grateful. I'm miserable and I'm going. Well, there you are. You have forgotten, my friend. Big time you have forgotten. And you will suffer the consequences. So now the bell is ringing slightly and we will end with this Har Herbert Rickey. And it's in True Government as well as in her in his article, No Big Power Veto. And Gary will read it for us. Uh, okay. <clears throat> this is the article, No Big Power Veto. These are the claims of national and world peace. Let us look at each claim long enough and intelligently enough to take the props out from under it, that we may relegate it to eternal oblivion. Let us truly appreciate our American Declaration of Independence, which states that God has endowed us all with the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This American Bill of Rights is as a beacon light to millions in other lands. We need to understand that this Declaration of Independence did not just happen. It came about as the result of divine inspiration in the consciousness of God-loving men. We need to see that there is no human law nor man-made legislation that can veto these basic human rights in America. And we need to see further that because of the supremacy of mind, these basic human rights shall be extended to all men everywhere. It is God's will that all men be free. Let us forever be alert to see and see that it is not just in other countries that human liberties would sometimes seem to be in jeopardy. In America, 
we need to be alert on the subject of such things as compulsory medical insurance or state medicine. Let us realize that no human legislation can ever be passed which can veto the divine rights of individuals to choose God as their only healing agency. There is not and there, there, and there cannot be any law which would prevent parents from giving religious instruction to their children in such a manner as will enable the children to follow the master in depending entirely upon spirit as the source of health and all good. In the name of the scriptures, they would seek to take away the life and liberty of the young people of our country. Be very alert to know that no legislation can rob our young people or the young people of the world of the freedom to worship God the way their conscience points out. We need to declare vehemently and realize without the shadow of a doubt that neither politics, human power, nor political expediency can veto the divine law that there shall be good, effective, and honest government in the world. For you to sit back and constantly find fault with government and government officials is neither Christian nor scientific. But for you to know daily that nothing can be done to veto the mandate of truth, intelligence, and love in government is for you to be an effective divine law-enforcing agency. Let us, now con let us consider our attitude toward people of the world. If you have a dispute with a member of your family, what is the solution? Hatred? Never. If you have a disagreement with a neighbor, will intolerance and recrimination solve the difference? No. Love alone is your remedy in both situations. So it is with nations. We shall never bring about world peace through resentment and hatred. These qualities only foster war. It is through love that we win over our enemies and make them our friends. There is no other way to establish world peace. We love everyone this afternoon and forever because we know that right where we are, there is nothing but divine love manifesting itself. We love through no virtue of our own but only because we are the reflection of God, who is love. By the same token, we know that love is in the heart of all mankind. For the Lord, he is love, and there is none else beside him. In this universe of ours, there is no room for anything but love. Quote, reflecting God's government, man is self-governed. End quote. Mary Baker Eddy. Amen. You should all have that booklet, Watches on True Government, compiled by Lindis on our website. Excellent. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.